T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. And hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagacki with University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz, my broadcast partner, Don Bailey Jr. It is the bowl season, and the University of Miami will be in a bowl game going back up to Orlando. It's now called the Cheez-It Bowl, but coach, the Hurricanes in a bowl game for the 44th time in history in the eighth straight year, so congratulations on going bowling once again. And a very formidable opponent, Oklahoma State out of the Big 12 at 7-3. and three. Yeah, well, that that is what you would expect to see. I mean, obviously, we had a really good season, you know, finishing 8-2. and two, So when you when you finish uh, in the top 20 of the country, you're probably going to play another top 20 team uh, somewhere. So to be able to return to Orlando where we had a great night, uh, you know, whatever, four years ago, um, you know, a great destination always for a bowl game. We will be able to be around in front of some fans uh, in, some, in Central Florida. So maybe some um, fans in the central part of the state that haven't had the opportunity to come watch us play can come see the Canes and uh, – and then our players to be able to play another game in their home state in front of their family. I think that's been a big deal with all the things they've gone through this year. Many of the response for playing this football game. Bowls are always thought of as a reward, but we've never had to go through a, a COVID season. How did the players uh, take it when you discussed it and get put it out there for them? Do you want to play in this game, and how do we approach it? Well, we need to finish, right? Um, we need to finish our season. Um, uh, we are different than a lot of other teams, you know, because a lot of our players are from this area. So we've, we've not had the yearning. Some guys, you know, have not had the ability to go home, but we have a lot of guys that, that are still around friends and family. But uh, we, 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 no one wanted the, the, the year to end uh, the way it ended, you know, the, the way we played two weeks ago against North Carolina. So I think to, uh, to have everybody come together again and, and um, you know, be able to put one more together with this current team was exciting to everybody. Coach, before we dive more into the matchup with, with Oklahoma State, maybe we'll talk about the, uh, the season in general. A bowl win would be the cherry on top of the cake, but 8-2, and two, you did improve in a lot of areas in all three phases. We improved as a program, and I think that's the most important thing. You know, and, and, and like I said, we're not where we want to be, but we're certainly not where we were. And, um, and I think it's important to take that into context, and I think the players deserve – a lot of credit for that. This was a difficult year to play football. Um, they met a lot of challenges that have um, we put in front of them because they have been stumbling blocks to us in the past, you know, and the ability to, you know, even just winning that. I, I still think the pit game 
and winning that game the week after the big loss to Clemson and being able to sort of immediately refocus uh, on the task at hand and run off, you know, five straight wins after that, I think was a big part of what defined uh, this team. Manny, defining this team, you, you talk about some things that Miami hasn't been able to overcome in the past. Winning a bowl game is one of them. I mean, they're one in nine in the last ten, and I would imagine if you pulled the hurricane public, nobody would believe that number, but it's true. It is true, and that's why going back to Orlando is such a, a unique opportunity for us. So um, it, it's a big deal, uh, winning a bowl, getting on that podium. Our guys have not done that, and we want to be the ones that do it. <coughs> Coach, you talked about the program also, <coughs> improving the program. And uh, you, know, you look at the Miami defense, and you can say that's a hurricane defense. It's not the old 80s defense, but it, you can see that's your style, your imprint on it. And now you see that offensively. It's only been one year. Less than a year, to be quite honest with you. So what impact will that have that you now have a Miami defense, your defense, and a Miami offense going forward as well? Well, we just laid the foundation right on both sides, and so now we can recruit to it. Um, I think that's part of the success we had in recruiting. We can be aggressive and attack on offense. We can be aggressive and attack on defense. Um, and now you get more reps in the system, more you know, implement different guys into the system, continue to improve the talent on both sides of the ball. I think the results will... Uh, We'll, we'll get better and better. Man, isn't, isn't there proof in just looking at the receiving core on how it took X number of weeks to finally implement this offense? There was no spring. And as you mentioned, Miami did not recruit to this style of offense you, you have in this last class. But there was a, a big adjustment period, and it looked like Miami finally caught on offensively, and they figured it out, and everything came together. Well, you just get better at what you do. Right. And uh, to your point, it, it's difficult having multiple position coaches, which a lot of our guys have um, multiple schemes, which our guys have had. And um, what's curious about our team, though, you know, offensively, we had a lot of the same people back, obviously not the Eric, just in a different system. Defensively, we had the same system, but with a lot of new faces back. So really uh, up until the last game, I thought you saw both sides of the ball really improving um, through the second half of the season, you know, so. Um, you know, again, we've, we've got to make the North Carolina game an outlier and continue that improvement that we really felt like um, in that five-game winning streak was starting to define our football team. The bowl season today in college football is becoming a little bit different. You do have a couple guys that we're not going to play, but it also becomes a little bit of a, of a chance for other guys now to get into a game and get in front of you and the coaches and say, hey, look, this is what we can do going forward and some guys are going to have that opportunity that's exactly right and i think you're seeing that every year it was a, a great opportunity for sam brooks who you know who played yeah. great in in shreveport last year and and we wish we had a healthy version of sam this year where he could have really you know bounced on from that performance uh, our defensive ends you know obviously with all the success that jalen and quincy have had this year but uh Jafari Harvey and Cam Williams have been waiting in the wings you know and they've gotten some reps and they've made some plays and games but now they really have a chance to to go out there and, and show what they can do and and um, and not just for their own confidence but in the teammates' confidence. You know, I think everybody's excited to watch uh, watch those guys go out there and and, uh, and give it their all. Manny, when you bring up those two names, you bring up Harvey and Williams, they'll be stepping in for Roche and, and Jalen Phillips. There's really another two guys that got to step up as well because you're going to go in not with just two defensive ends. You're going to need at least four or five in the rotation. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Chance Williams uh, does. You know, I think Chance has gotten some more reps even in practice over the last few weeks. And, um, 
you know, I think the things that we saw him do at Oakleaf High School up in Jacksonville and his, his kind of natural instinct and ability to rush the passer is going to come through. So um, it always comes back to a defensive end play. You have to earn the right to rush the passer. you got to do a great job with all the different run fits, um, you know, playing all the gap schemes and all the replays that, that those guys see week in and week out. But, uh, but I, I do. I, I'm excited to see our guys go play. And this also, as we mentioned at the top, is a really good program you're going up against, Oklahoma State. They've won a lot of games during Mike Gundy's career, 16 years. He's been, been the head coach there, 7-3 and three this year. They've been to multiple New Year's Six Bowl games. They've got a system. So this is going to be a really good challenge and I think a really fun game. Oklahoma State was ranked, I, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere you know, earlier in the year. They were 5-0 and and lost kind of a heartbreaker in overtime to Texas. And... You know, from that point on, they've had another couple of close losses. They beat Iowa State. You know, Iowa State was a top 10 team for the majority of the year. So they can do it. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, they've had continuity. Uh, they have had an identity on offense since back in the time that I was in the Big 12 um, in terms of what they, they're going to do. And they want to run the football, you know, and you think Big 12 and spread and, you know, pass a style of offense. That is not the case at all. They want to run the football and they want to run the football right downhill at you. And then play action and hit shots off of that. So, um, you know, just because a quarterback is in the shotgun doesn't mean that, you know, that they want to be a pass-first offense. And, and I think a lot of that goes into the identity baked into the Oklahoma State program, which no one knows better than Mike Gundy. Coach, you, you're going to have a couple of weeks off, obviously, before the game. You've got the holidays in there. So if you look at this like off weeks or beginning of a season, special teams always need to be coming into focus to bowl, in bowl week because it's something that gets – I don't know, the off time never seems to help it. First of all, I want to commend you on how greatly the special teams improve with both uh, your kicking game and your punting game. But how do you, how do you work on that in, the off, in this off time? Well, it's funny. There almost has been no off time. But you're right. I mean, Jonathan Packey's done a great job with our special teams uh, this year. Um, our, our net punt has been phenomenal this year. We've seen how that correlates to winning with field position. But... Um, you know, again, we, we really gave – it had been a long year. We really gave our players a week off, and now we're really not – I mean, we're just back on a game week now. I mean, we're basically, um, you know, just – it's almost a long week, but you got to factor in Christmas and travel. So it's not much different than a normal game week for prep. So it, it's a unique situation. It's not a normal bowl prep. Normally you practice for a week at home, and then you go to the bowl site and you practice for a week there. We will not have that opportunity this year because of COVID. So it's uh, – it's, it's basically, let's get back to work and uh, let's have a great week of prep to get ready to go play. I want to dive into recruiting the class you signed a week ago in a moment. Uh, touch on Oklahoma State's defense for, for a second. Jim Knowles is their defensive coordinator who was at Duke, so he's in the, in the ACC. Do you suspect they'll, he'll uh, give you the same thing that we used to see at Duke, which was defend the red, we're going to blitz you when you get into the red zone and we're going to uh, try to keep the points down? They're a little um, no, they're they're a little different than that. Um, they're 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 one number one. They're one of the top defenses really in in their conference yeah. and and almost in the country. They are uh, very aggressive in what they do. They're a old and veteran group, very experienced year. That's why again, this was supposed to be the really the big year at Oklahoma State, but uh, they challenge everything, uh, a lot of man coverage, and then they'll switch from a four down front to a three down front, which is actually is similar to what Duke did this year. Uh, they've got a, a big-time defensive end. They can stand up and sort of move along uh, their defensive front. They've got a special player linebacker, a special player on the back end. So this is a really talented um, defense that, you know, again, lives week in and week out in that Big 12 conference. So they get tested by some of the the, uh, the best offenses in some of the most high-stressful environments uh, that, that anyone sees anywhere in the country. 
Coach, Coach, we'll jump into a little bit of the recruiting part of this. When you, when you look back at your signees, the, I guess the biggest relief and the biggest compliment was there was no surprises. That's a great thing. You know, no sad surprises. You right. know, there was there was there was a there was a, a happy surprise, of course, with with Jake Garcia Wednesday night, but um, that speaks a lot to you know our guys, speaks a lot to the, the connection they have with each other as a class, and then with even with our guys uh, on our campus. And if you really think about it, the group that signed last year was really about the same way. You know, they were they were super rock right. solid, and uh, so to be able to put two classes back to back of guys that aren't just really talented players but really also love Miami and, and are committed to being a part of building something special here in our program uh, speaks a lot for who they are. We touched on this a little bit last week, but now I think the number is uh, 17 or 18 of the 28 teams in the playoffs are the same. And really the best way to try to get in there, and we were close a couple of years ago, is what you just said, right? Stack one class on top of another on top of another to build up that momentum. And so you've got a couple back to back here. It's not, it's not the best way to get there. It's the only way to get yeah. there. I mean, there's simply no other way. I mean, you, you've got to, um, you've got to stack recruiting classes, like you said, you know, and, and you've got to start to build the depth where the players have to compete every day for their job on the field. And I think that's what you see. Uh, there's a lot of good teams in college football. There's a lot of teams that are really strong with their starting 11 on, on, on both sides of the ball. Um, but until you really get that one through 22 where the guys on the first 11 are getting pushed every day in practice, it, it, it you know, you're going to go to a different level when you have that. So, um, again, on early returns, we're excited, you know, our first two recruiting classes as this staff, but, uh, we can't stop now because, uh, we, we know that, it, it, you know, you, if you, the second you stop recruiting, your, your, your program dies on the vine. So, um, our guys are going right on to the 22s and 23s. Manny, a, th a theme that seems to have run through the, these first two classes is, is that they recruit each other. I mean, obviously, the coaches have to follow up and the head coach is involved in the, the whole operation, but you get a half a dozen of the guys on there, and they seem to, t to jump in on the recruiting as well. To me, that's building a team before they even show up, and that's got to be priceless. It is. You know, I mean, we live in a... a connected society, you know, digitally, if not, if not always face to face. So our, the, the players are so easily accessible um, to each other. So they, you know, they can have group chats and, and, you know, they can message each other or DM each other or call each other. So that happens all the time. So, and then we were also very blessed. I mean, we have a lot of guys in this class who have known each other since they were little kids, you know, since playing youth league together or against each other. Um, so having those type of relationships, I think, makes it even doubly special, the, you know, the idea that they can all stick together. Okay, when we come back, we'll talk more about the Cheez-It Bowl coming up. It's Miami and Oklahoma State. Hurricanes are in a bowl game, and we will continue with Hurricanes head coach Manny Diaz on the Manny Diaz Show right after this. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Happy to welcome you back to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. The Hurricanes will play Oklahoma State, 7-3. and three. The Cowboys are at the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando. That game is coming up. So it is one more opportunity 
for your team to compete. Is that, and you used that word in our last segment, is that something, uh, an approach you take to them that this is about competition, another opportunity for you guys to compete? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and it's a chance to beat a, you know, another top ranked team and, um, and really get us, get some momentum going right. into the off season. You know I mean? I, I do think there will be some, um, a bunch of the guys that are playing on, on, in that bowl game on Tuesday, we'll, we'll be back next year. And, and you want to try to, you know, create some momentum and, and, and there's a hunger, you know, everybody knows that we start next season with Alabama. And, uh, and so you're, you're trying to build to that, you know, and you want, you want to leave the, you know, 2020 with all the adversity we've been through, you want to, you want to end it on a good note. Manny, I've had the opportunity to watch some of this Oklahoma State team earlier in the year, and, and I think when everybody says the Oklahoma State Cowboys and Coach Gundy, they think that it's, it's a finesse team, and their offensive line's big and powerful, and they're physical, and I think defensively they're physical as well. They really are. Um, you know, I, I think they've realized you know, the, the, the key is that they, they can run the football. They've, they've always wanted to run the football, which anytime you run the ball well, that actually helps your defense, not just because you keep them off the field, but, you know, it hardens them up in practice, you know, because, you know, iron sharpens iron every day in practice. So um, I think, again, that goes back to the way that Oklahoma State was when Mike Gundy was a player there. They were going to get under center. They were going to pound the ball. And even though they've, you know, through the years, like everyone has, gotten more into the gun and, and maybe in some spread formations, you know, they're going to play with, you know, on just, you know, majority of their plays, there's going to be a, a tight end fullback body in the backfield. And, you know, he's going to be crashing into defensive ends or leading up on linebackers. And, um, you know, and they've got a couple of good backs that can, that can you know, hammer it up in there behind them. I always find it fascinating to figure out uh, how teams build, where they come from. And in, in Oklahoma State's case, they, they battle in the state of Texas. The quarterback, Spencer Sanders, uh, coming out of Texas was Mr. Football in the state of Texas, his final year of high school. So this is a very good quarterback, 10 touchdowns, uh, was fourth in the Big 12 in passing, but coming out of high school, a lot of people wanted him. As uh, as I mentioned, he was Mr. Football in the state of Texas. That says a lot um, because quarterbacks in that state, yeah. they just, you know, they, they, they're they throwing a football when they're still in the playpen. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just how it is. And, um, and, and, and I'll tell you, he's a threat to run as well. Uh, they will do some, you know, design, you know, quarterback keepers with him, but, um, he can take off and scramble. He is fast, um, can run, and he's tough. He's a competitor. You'll see him lower shoulder, uh, you know, down at the two-yard line to sort of smash through a DB to get in the end zone. So he's a competitor, and, and much like De'Eric, I think the offense, you know, of course gains confidence, and and, um, and they feel the, the, the toughness when your quarterback is playing tough. I mean, talk about the energy that Brevin Jordan brings to a football game. We, we were without him for three weeks. He had a outstanding numbers-wise game against Louisville. Uh, came up with some big numbers against North Carolina as well. He's on the field. It just it just ticks up a level. Yeah, I mean, Brevin plays with a great spirit. He's got a great passion for this game. He's got really high goals of what he wants to accomplish in this game. But, you know, the ability to have Brevin and, and, and Mallory out there together because, you know, those are two such unique chess pieces. And, you know, I mean, there's there, you know we have many guys that, that can make plays and catch. But that, those tight end bodies, they allow you to create different formations, um, they create different matchups that the defense struggles with at times, and um, and I think you've seen that. I mean, those guys are so valuable, and and it only stands the reason we're a better team when Brevin's in the lineup than when he's not. Coach, uh, while we're on, on offense, you mentioned De'Ara King a moment ago, the impact that he's had on the program. Now that we've got ten games under his belt, you look at his numbers; they're terrific. His touchdown interception ratio is really special. 
you can see what a difference it makes when you've got a guy back there that is, uh, is not making mistakes or a guy back there that uh, is, is an impact player. Yeah, you know, and for the, the plays he makes, you know, doing a great job of not putting the ball in harm's way, I think is what's so important. And uh, he takes a lot of pride in that. He's very intelligent, you know, so he, he a lot of that just goes through his film study and his, you know, knowledge of the game. But, uh, you know, gives you a chance to win every week. And obviously we've seen that and it's been great for our program. And, and that's why, again, you know, for a bowl game, you know, let's get out there and get a big win. Manny, I look at his I looked at his numbers and I think I'm right, but if you take out the the lost yardage for sacks, what you do in college football, he's your leading rusher as well. <laughs> I mean that's an element that that was never here in the history really of the University of Miami, and it makes such a big difference. Yeah, it was funny. I was on a conference call for the bowl game and a writer from Oklahoma State said, you know, you know, with Derek, you know, Oklahoma State's defense has historically struggled with with quarterbacks that you know that are dual threat that can throw and run, I said, "Yeah, that's because everybody's defense struggles with quarterbacks that can throw and run. It's <laughs> right. just, it's just a problem, right? I mean, that's that's why those guys are so rare, they're so unique. You see it now in the NFL with, you know, what Lamar Jackson's doing in Baltimore, even the way that Mahomes can run around uh, Russell Wilson. So it, it is, it's really difficult when a guy can throw it really well with the way that these pass offenses have developed over the last few years. Um, but then if you get everybody covered, and you, now the fun is only beginning because now he, he can make plays with his feet. So um, I think both quarterbacks uh, on Tuesday night will show that ability. You know, considering the conference they're in, the Big 12, where they throw the ball a million times, they're holding their opponents to 26% on third down. So they're finding a way to get off the field in a really difficult, uh, very difficult offensive conference. Yeah, they get, um, they get pretty exotic on third down. They give you a, a bunch of different looks to try to confuse your blocking schemes, um, show different coverages. So if they get you in a – like all defenses, they're trying to leverage you into a must-pass situation and uh, and if they can do that then then you know the, the advantage should always uh, favor the defense and they, I think they've capitalized on that as good as anybody in the country this year. I mean this whole year has been an adjustment or really each day of this football season has been an adjustment. How do you think that that impacts the the football players throughout America for the rest of their life? I think that they, what, what do you think those guys learned this year that's going to help them five years and 20 years and 30 years down the road that they really wouldn't have been faced with if they didn't have this kind of season? Well, you've heard me say it all year. Um, it's a football thing, but it's a life thing too. I, you know, it's play the next play. Right. Um, I think this has been the ultimate year where you've got to focus on what's going on right now. Uh, you can't worry about, I mean, you know, like all of us, I mean, how, how great does it sound four months from now when, you know, you know, hopefully, the, you know, the coronavirus numbers will go down. I mean, but again, if, if, you, if you're thinking four months ago or four months from now or whatever, it's not the place to be. You know I mean? You, you got to focus on what's present. Uh, you got to deal with what you have. You have to understand that there's going to be constant adversity. That's just the way that life is. Um, but there's always a solution. Somewhere in the present moment, there is a solution. And and uh, and I think our team has adjusted better than most at what they've had to deal with this year. By the way, uh, you're two and one against Oklahoma State. I saw the number. You were two and one when you coached against them. I think I think I'm one and one, but but I'll I'll take I'll I'll go for two and one after <laughs> All right, Tuesday. We won't tell anybody. Whatever you say, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> it said two and one. Um, I heard this line the other day from Pete Carroll mentioning, you know, trying to play football under all these demands, and he kept telling his team, football is something we don't work. Some, football is something we play, trying to, I guess, uh, find some joy. And uh, uh, through all this, did you find joy with your team? I think we had to. I think we had to, you know, because if we made, if we made their life in the football building miserable, then um, it just would have been a sad you know, mm -hmm. fall for us. So 
Um, and not just through the actual game, you know, certainly that's a part of it, but to me through the relationships. I think that's what this team had. I think that's what gave us a chance all year. Mm-hmm. Um, what has defined 2020? In reality, it's been isolation. Like, think of the things we can't do. We can't pack a stadium. We can't go pack a restaurant. We can't go sit in a movie theater the way we used to. We can't go to a concert. Um, what do all those things have in common? Community, bringing people together, right? And so all of that has been separated. Um, you know, and then, and then let's, by the way, let's throw in a three-month quarantine lockdown on top of all that. So our ability for our team to come together, um, and I think the way that our team generally did like each other, I think that helped. Um, it was just fun. It was fun to get to Friday night at the hotel and, and get around your brothers again and then go out and play on Saturday. Manny, were there any surprise leaders that showed up? Maybe, you know, you, some guys are easy to identify and you have expectations when they come in. Did somebody come up, that come out of the group, out of the pack, that you were like, wow, this, this is impressive? Oh, it's a phenomenal question, you know. I mean, there's always guys. It, it's never necessarily the, the rah-rah way, um, but there's always a development, you know. I mean, I think we had, you know, I think watching Jalen Phillips, you know, as, as his effort and intensity, the way that he played throughout this year, a guy you didn't ever really even know what to get out of him. Gilbert Frierson played phenomenal uh, this year, really in his first time starting at striker. He had been a backup, of course, behind Finley a year ago. And, and I think even in the last month of the season, you know, I think even after the coronavirus break, Bubble Bowl in these last couple of weeks, I think he started asserting himself more and more in the secondary, you know. Offensively, again, it all revolves around D'Eric, but I think Mike Harley, you know, I think taking his game to a different level and just with the work ethic part, you know, like I said, seeing him come in on Sundays, you know, at noon, catching balls out of the jugs, and we just played the night before. I think those are the things that you really remember. Coach, just a recruiting class, to go back to that for for a moment. One, do you expect any guys to come in early? And then two, too many names to mention, so I'll kind of do an overview you really got some addressed a lot of needs. You got a really nice player at safety, uh, really good players along your defensive line, upgraded the offensive line. Obviously, you have this new offense, so you address that need on the perimeter as well. Yeah, I mean, we really, we really feel like we got you know a lot of our needs addressed. Um, and we do think that, uh, and I don't have the exact number, but hopefully, I'm thinking hopefully around a dozen of these guys will be in. Um, at the midterm, it may be more than that, which was great. We had a lot of that, um, the same thing a year ago. So if we can kind of get those guys in and get them rolling, um, get them in David Feely's offseason program, and I think that just helps your development uh, so much more. So it'll be exciting to see them. It, it's, it's a month away. It's crazy as that sounds. Coach, a late addition to the class was Jake Garcia. We haven't been able to really plug a name in and talk about it. Tell us about him. Educate us about him and what, what was the attraction and on both sides. What, what did he see with Miami? What did you see with him? And what, what's your expectations out of that young man? Well, look, I mean, um, from a football standpoint, you know, I, you, you can pop on his, you know, his, his film on the Internet and, and see all the great throws he can make, the things he can do with his feet, all the, 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 the quarterbacking stuff. Um, and I love all that stuff, and I think it's really valuable. What I really like about Jake is, is, is who he is as a person. Um, and if you look at what he's had to go through in his high school career, um, we saw a glimpse of it when he came to camp. That's why you love when guys come to camp. You see more than just what they can do physically. You can just kind of get an idea of who they are. But, um, you know, look, look at the adversity that Jake has gone through in the year 2020. You know, they basically cancel high school football in the state of California, moves to Georgia, and doesn't just move to, to you know, any ordinary program, to a big, big-time program down in Valdosta. Um, 
you got to walk in that locker room and say, hey, I'm the kid from California that's here to be your starting quarterback. That takes some courage. And you got to have something about you that all of a sudden you end up being their starting quarterback. Well, then, bang, he ends up ineligible due to some political-type rules. Then he goes to Grayson High School in the, in the northern part of the state. I mean, you, I mean, you're going from one powerhouse to another powerhouse, and same thing. Now they're halfway through the season. They already have a starting quarterback. They, they have friendships on that team, and here comes again another guy. Oh, you're the guy we read about. And just to walk in that locker room and say, hi, Jake Garcia, quarterback, um, the courage, the, the, the self-confidence, but then also the ability for somehow, some way to capture the spirit of those teams and have them follow you, you know, and, and, and Jake's now, they're getting ready to play for the state championship game after, uh, after the Christmas, and that's no ordinary story, and that just shows that he's got something about him that, that, that people want to follow. Well, we're going to wrap this up. I just want to go through a quick checklist with you. Because number one, we're grateful that we had football. That's uh, at the top of the list. Didn't look so much that way in the summer. So we're grateful we had football. You've got eight wins. A bowl victory gives you nine. So in, in a span of four years, you would have a 10-win season, a nine-win season. Uh, you played some great games this year, had some tremendous wins, beat the rivals, Florida State and Virginia Tech. The beginning of the year, Louisville was a team that was ranked really high. So that was a nice win. So uh, a bowl victory over Oklahoma State would really, as I said early, earlier would be the the cherry on top of the cake here yeah this has been a big step forward for, for, for us look we finished third place in our conference and one of the teams that finished ahead of us is not in our conference <laughs> i mean I, I don't know how to say that you know i mean i mean if and if we were in it if we were in the old coastal division we would have won it right i mean we would have won the coastal and that would have been the only for the second time in school history and we'd at least had a chance in charlotte so um we lost on some of the non-conference games that i'm that i feel confident that we would have won and you know who knows what our win-loss record would have been if we'd have played the original 12 that we were scheduled to play. But I, I, I think there's no reason to think that we, based off the evidence what we saw this year, it could have been 11-1 going to Charlotte uh, to play Clemson. So th that's the step. That's not the goal. We're not trying to finish third in the ACC or even second in the ACC, but it's a step, and it's a step up, uh, from where we were. Uh, but I will say this too. Taking that step doesn't guarantee that step is, is already done next year. It all rebuilds again, and uh, and and this bowl game is is a is a proper reward. We want to finish strong for this team, uh, but when we come back in January, we start again at zero, like everyone else in the country does. And but I think our players have learned some good lessons of if we can fight the selfishness, um, if we can stay connected, play for each other. Um, Miami looks different than maybe some of the things that have, that have you know reared their ugly head in the past, and so that does give us a platform to build on. Coach, thank you so much for being with us. It's uh been an incredible season in so many different ways been a tough season so happy holidays and uh and uh we, we're rooting for a happy and healthy 2021 now back to hurricane hotline on the home of the u am 560 and fm 96.5 hd2 wqam driven by williamson cadillac for value style and performance visit miami's premier luxury dealership click williamsoncadillac.com now here's don bailey jr and the voice of the hurricanes joe zagaki all right back on the show joe zagaki don bailey with this part of the show off 
And uh, coming up on Tuesday, the 29th of December, the Hurricanes will be in Orlando to take on the Cowboys of Oklahoma State at the Cheez-It Bowl. Joining us now from the Florida Citrus Sports Commission, Florida Citrus Sports CEO Steve Hogan is with us. Steve, good evening and happy holidays. Hey, happy holidays to you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're, uh, we're, we, we thank you for joining us and uh, looking forward to the University of Miami traveling up to Orlando once again. We were there a year ago uh, for the Gator game, not too long ago for the West Virginia game. Uh, what makes this, this matchup with Oklahoma State attractive for you at the Cheez-It Bowl? Yeah, you know, we're excited. I mean, we worked really hard over the years uh, to have games that have teams with, as they say, numbers in front of their name, ranked teams, and that's what we have here. Anytime you can put top 25 teams in the final college football playoff poll, uh, I think people are interested, and I think the country's interested in that. Um, some exciting players. I think to see De'Ara King get in there and some of these guys get after it. I like, you know, the wide receiver, Tyler Wallace, and, and you know, some guys, Spencer Sanders, their quarterbacks have to step up, but without Chuba. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, you know, I think Desmond Jackson is going to be fun to watch and whether they can run the ball against Miami. So a lot of storylines, a lot of interesting things. And um, to me, I just think the country is already rating this one of the top eight games and has the chance to line up to be a bit of a light show. You know, whoever has the ball last. And those are the kind of games we get excited about in the bowl business. Let's uh, talk about the bowl business for a moment. And you've been able to go through with this bowl. Uh, also, uh, we'll have the Citrus Bowl as well. This has been a tough year for everybody in sports. So uh, we're happy Happy uh, there's going to be a bowl game. Why was it important for the Florida Citrus uh, Sports Commission to have this bowl game or to have both bowl games, actually? Yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to – it's, it's, I know you hear this sometimes, but it's true. You, you love nothing more than when the when the guys get into town, they hit the hotel, and you know, they kind of take a breath and say, man, this is it. Some of us, this is the last week. This is the last game, and we're doing it together. Can't wait to suit up. And the things that we get to do for them this year, yeah, it'll be a little limited, but I still think we're going to do everything we can within a shortened bowl experience to shower them with the things, you know, the attention, getting off the plane, getting into the hotel, a kind of a championship-level hospitality suite for the players so that they can stay in their bubble, be together safely, but just spend time together, get their bowl gifts, you know, uh, kid around, joke around, and, and suit up and play a good football game. And I, I, that's, the, that's our favorite part of this. If we can do that financially, and I, we're, we're in a great position that the teams that come to our game – are coming here in a revenue-positive situation in light of COVID, and I think we're extremely proud of that. And we, we just pray that safely the kids can get here, we can kick off, and hopefully give them a bit of a memory uh, for those that this is it for them, and they can look back and say, I remember that last game, the Cheese Bowl in Orlando. Okay, that's uh, I think that's a great explanation. Camping World Stadium, you've done a remarkable job with that through the years uh, as it has changed, and you've done a nice job with it. Uh, pretty much rebuilding that stadium through the years. Yeah, you know, we've been blessed. Uh, $230 million invested in it in 2015-16, a, a total rebuild essentially underneath the two terrace decks. This next season in 21, we're going to do another kind of $60 million completing the job, a couple, couple more clubs addressing a lot of the F&B and concessions and the plaza level where it gets tight. You guys were here from Miami and Florida and, you know, when you're packed out in there, there were some things that needed to be addressed. The outside lots and the, the arrival and departure situations all going to get attention in 21. So we're excited. And, and, you know, we don't have an NFL team, but 
we've hosted the Pro Bowl four years and done a whole bunch of ACC championship game, the you know Florida Blue Florida Classic, both bowl games. We have three bowl games this year, and uh, so we're 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 kind of scratching and clawing and fighting with the with the big boys out there in terms of markets that have NFL you know kind of infusion of money, and we're proud of it. So you know we're 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 going to work hard to have hopefully the cancer over the years and in, in the kickoff environment and certainly in the bowl game environment moving forward. Steve Hogan is with us, Florida Citrus Sports CEO. Steve, for the Miami game, Miami-Oklahoma State game, what will the crowd look like? What are the restrictions? And if uh, fans do want to attend, how might they be able to get tickets? Yeah, so Ticketmaster.com. You can certainly go to the website and uh, pull up fcsports.com or go to cheesepole.com, and and you'll be able to get access. Right now we're up, up into the terrace deck. Uh, especially on the Miami side. I think there's a lot of interest. We're, gonna, we're capped at 20%. Um, the stadium can actually hold 65,000-plus. Um, that's when we put the seats in the north end. But we're limiting it just below that, actually. We'll probably end up with about 10 or 11,000 people in the building. So it'll be a very comfortable situation. We just got a GBAC star rating. You guys are familiar with that at Hard Rock, kind of a gold gold stamp, if you will, gold seal of approval around the cleanliness and preparedness for, for fans in terms of contact in, in the building. Um, we use Populous, the same people will be doing the Super Bowl, the national championship in Miami, to help us with Advent Health System to build out the plan in our building. We've had a lot of bubbles in Orlando. We've learned a lot. The NBA bubble, WLS, or the, uh, the uh, MLS opening you know, season tournament. WWE's been in the Amway Center for four months. So we've learned a lot, uh, and we think that we're going to be as safe as you could possibly be. But uh, we expect to be sold out hopefully at around 10, 11,000 fans and give the, give the players a bit of an environment for that last game and hopefully give the fans a great game. We all need it right now. Yeah, no question. I always think these games also, I'm always hopeful, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm always hopeful that they are a kickstart for a team for the, for the upcoming season. Last year, Notre Dame was your winner, correct? And you had Notre Dame in the game. Oh, for sure. Look, we're proud of the Orlando bump, as we call it up here. There, we we have a lot of success with teams that have been here. The next season, they go off to big things. And you look at last year, we had Alabama and Michigan on New Year's Day. Um, you know, they they Alabama certainly is in good shape, number one in the country. Uh, we had Notre Dame and Iowa State in our uh, Cheez It Bowl, and so you look at Notre Dame and where they are in the college football playoffs. So two of our teams and Iowa State and ended up in uh, in a host game in the college football playoff. Had a nice season, played in the Big Twelve Championship game. So, you know, we're I, I you know we we tease about that, but for whatever reason, a lot of teams that come here, and I think it's where we sit. You know, typically we're we're picking first after the college football playoff. We have teams that are right there. They're close. They're getting better. They're on the way up. Yeah, and a win here in a lot of ways can propel you into that next season. And, and I, I really think that's there for the taking right now. A big game by either one of these programs on December 29th. Tease them up for next year. I think they go in that confident, the new guys coming into the program, and, and say we beat a really good football team. And, and I think it jazzes them up heading into the spring. You know, you kind of addressed this a little bit, but as I look over to the television to my left, and I'm looking at the end of a bowl game, the one that's played out in Boise, and Nevada's going to win this game. They're jumping up and down. There's joy all across their sideline. And as you mentioned earlier, I don't think that can be overlooked for coaches and players to have a chance to celebrate at the end of the season in a bowl game. Yeah, you know, you you know it because you're, you're there, right? And you've seen it. I've seen it. And 
when when you're blessed enough to be close to it, um, you, you can't totally know unless you're in the brotherhood, you're in that room, you're a part of the team, you're a part of the administration and the folks working all season long to clean jerseys and set up lockers. And, you know, when they get there to the end of the road and they get a, just a minute to take a breath and spread out a little bit and experience this and take it in, I mean, it means a lot. You hear players talk about this for years, that that's some of their favorite memories are their postseason experiences, and it's incumbent upon us in our business to do everything we can for them. And, you know, we're, we're really proud of that, and we will spare no expense on whether they're here three days, two days, one day, and, and we're going to give them everything we've got so that that'll be a memory they never forget, and they deserve it, after, especially after a year like this. Yeah, I know we've had a great experience uh, when the University of Miami has participated in the bowl game and also the preseason or the uh, kickoff game. Do you think, uh, Orlando, you'll have more of those kickoff games? And do you think those uh, type of games become more popular as we move forward in college football? I think so. You know, they'll ebb and flow a little bit um, based on what people are wanting to do for home and homes and, and tweak their schedule, but they're there. They're there and they should be. We, it's, it's a great opportunity for a school to have a full home slate, pick up a nice, you know, kind of payday in a, in a you know, kind of an off-season ticket way, be on a big stage. You know, I understand there's, there's a price if you lose that game, but usually early in the season against top-quality competition, that's not going to really hurt you. If you have a great season, they're going to look back and say, hey, there's just as good about a, a quality loss sometimes as big wins. And, you know, we've got Florida State and LSU um, teed up in 23. Uh, we're working on some games in the future right around that. Uh, we've got one maybe a lineup for 22. Uh, but they'll have and flow a little bit. But we totally intend to be in that business uh, for a long time, and we're going to invest heavily in it. And, and make it a reward. We want to work. We know we got to work hard on the venue and, and make sure it's a great experience for the fans and the media and everybody to do their job. But, you know, Florida, uh, you know this in Miami, certainly in Orlando, teams around the country want to recruit here. They want to be seen here. They want to play here. They want to be able to tell recruits that one of your games maybe in those four years is going to be in Florida, maybe where we recruited you from. And we see that all the time. So we're, we're bold on kickoff games. They may not happen every single season, but we'll get them in bunches as the years go by. You know, I was just gonna—I was gonna say maybe expanding on that because we are in this unusual time of college athletics where we have some guys opting out. We have an argument argument about more uh, teams going to the playoffs and where do the bowls fit in with that? And I thought to myself, well, maybe one area the bowls fit in is at the beginning of the year. Maybe we'll see more bowl games at the beginning of the year when everybody's at full strength. No, I think, I think you're right, you know, and you see that. A lot of these kickoff games, we've been successful there, Atlanta, Dallas, you know, Houston's had some, and, and, and we, you know, they're, they're regular, and they're huge. And I think it's made a big difference. You look at how many of those games Alabama's played in, and, and you know, it's, it's a program-defining thing, and, and you're making a statement, you're playing a huge game out of conference, and I think it makes a big difference. And, and so, you know, Miami and the Florida game here was huge. For both of them, and then I don't think it would have hurt. It didn't hurt Miami all that much, you know, in terms of the loss to Florida at that point. But it was, it's they're really important, and I think it's important for the sport. It's important for the CFP in terms of looking back at who deserves to be in and out. And you know, people talk about this all the time. Should we expand the system? You know, you have 16 teams, 12 teams. You have eight, six, and I don't care where you put the bar. That's the beauty of college football. I mean, there's there's a thousand teams playing Division One 
uh, college football. It's impossible to, to put together a fair schedule. Just acknowledge that. And uh, people are going to do the best they can. Part of college football is just the argument and the debate. Uh, I know it's not, it doesn't make it clean and neat and tidy, but the NFL has, what, 32 teams, and they struggle sometimes. You know, you'll have a division winner that will get in there. It was years ago. Seattle got in. I was thinking they were 500 team or maybe even a losing team and, and made a run. So it, 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 I think you just got to enjoy the ride. Let's not ruin the regular season. Let's create some competitive non-conference stuff at the beginning of the season, and we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. Um, yeah, you have another game after the Miami Oklahoma State game, uh, Auburn and Northwestern. That's a Citrus Bowl, right? We do. Yeah, we're blessed. The 75th edition. We've been in the postseason for a while, um, but you know, Northwestern a uh, little bit of a bloody nose game against Ohio State. They had a they have a good defense. I'm excited to see them come down and play Auburn. Uh, I think Auburn. Those guys are going to want to rally around each other. We see that sometimes with coaching changes. And, uh, you know, SEC Big Ten, it just adds up to some exciting football sometimes. And we've had ACC in, in our New Year's Day game as well, as you know, a number of times over the years. And, and so um, we're proud of that game. We think that'll be a heck of a football game. And uh, 1 o'clock New Year's Day ABC and, and give them a big stage to go out on. And, and Northwestern, I think, earned it uh, this year. And, and there's some debate over Indiana for sure, and they were very deserving. But Northwestern's been there, and they were a conference uh, champion representative, and we rewarded them with that. Well, you know, uh, Auburn will have a new coach when they get there. They just announced they hired Brian Harson from uh, Boise State, so Auburn has themselves a coach. Well, I didn't see that, so that's news to me, and I, look, yeah. that's great. And and we, we've been You've been in this long enough. I've been in this since 1995. I've seen a fair amount of coaching changes <laughs> in our game. And uh, so, you know, you know, I remember the year that Nick Saban left Michigan State and went to, you know, went on to LSU, I think it was that year, and, and Michigan State won with, with Bobby Williams, who had a great run there as well. So I think, you know, you see a lot of those happen, and in a lot of cases, you know, they're positive, and, and so we're excited to host those guys, and, and they'll be just fine. You know, they've got a great program. They have great recruits, and, and uh, so good for them. Steve, we enjoy our trips to Orlando. Uh, we look forward to a, a great night on Tuesday, December the 29th, and maybe we'll get back in one of those kickoff classics as well in Orlando. Uh, you, you've been a great host for us, and thanks for joining us on the show here tonight. I hey, appreciate all you guys do, man. I look forward to having you in a couple of weeks. All right, that's uh, Steve Hogan, Florida Citrus Sports CEO, joining us here on the show. We'll continue right after this. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.